Right? So as I said earlier on, we are looking at the topic of divine providence. And I'll start with a quotation uh, from R.C. Sproul, which says, One way in which the secular mindset has made inroads into the Christian community is through the worldview that assumes that everything happens according to fixed natural causes and God, if he is actually there, is above and beyond it all. He's just a spectator in heaven, looking down, perhaps cheering us on, but exercising no immediate control over what happens on earth. That is Dr. R.C. Sproul. And friends, the reality is that there is or there are many people, Christians included, who believe in one chance, which is, uh, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, something that happens unpredictably without discernible human intention or observable cause. Some people believe in luck, a force that brings good fortune or, adver or adversity. You hear people say, Mirandi chance, you know, let me chance, let me try my luck. Have you ever been texted by someone who says, any luck? Maybe they're following up on something that you're supposed to do, or maybe they're concerned about something that has happened to you, and then they go, any luck? Or oh, let me chance, Mirandi chance. You know, no wonder why we live in a world where people are addicted to gambling because they are trying their luck in getting money. Or they believe in happenstance, which is probably a synonym of chance, but it is a circumstance especially that is due to chance. Oh, it just happened. Uh, without cause, without any ordination, either passive or aggressive. Um, but what if I told you that if you believe in chance, luck, and happenstance, then you are wrong about life? What if I told you that today? What if I said to you, that you have missed out on something very important on life if you believe that things just happen. If you believe that the trees swaying to and fro uh, because of the invisible wind that we cannot see but feel is just chance, it's happenstance, you know, it just happens, then you are wrong about life. You have missed an important facet of life. I want to quote something from a book, uh, a little booklet by, uh, his name is uh, John Murray. It's called Behind a Frowning Providence. It's a marvelous piece of work. Uh, but listen to what he says about providence. 
He says, Providence is that marvelous working of God by which all the events and happenings in his universe, all right, accomplish the purpose he has in mind. That's what he defines providence as. And we'll see, uh, as I quote the confession as well, what providence is or divine providence. Some people want to call it divine providence. Some people call it providence. All providence really is divine. Because it's from God. So simply put, providence is provision. What God hands to mankind or deals a hand to mankind, it can be, uh, and of course it's God governing mankind. So it could be providence that you and I do not necessarily approve of providence that you and I necessarily are pained by things in life happen that cause us to question many things why did uh, the COVID come why is Zimbabwe the, is in the situation that it is why am I single why am I married why am I unmarried there, there are so many questions that we ask ourselves but according to this definition and according to what scripture says that everything happens by the hand of God, the guiding hand of God. So there's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as chance. There's no such thing as, uh, you know, uh, happenstance, jungle itika. It is actually planned. It is actually ordained. I want to quote the London Baptist Confession of Faith of the 1689, which is our confession as a church in chapter 5, which is probably one of my favorite chapters in the whole confession because it just shows us, shows me how God works all things together for good. Sometimes we don't understand how God works. Most of the time we actually don't, but we know that all things work together for good. Chapter 5.1 I'll be referring to the confession quite a lot but it says the following God, the good creator of all things in his infinite power and wisdom alright, upholds directs disposes and governs all creatures and things from the greatest to the very least. I want us to stop there. I want us to see certain aspects about providence. Providence is from God. It starts in chapter 5.1 where it says God. So in the beginning, God, all right, God has always been. God has always been sovereign. 
There's never a time when God is not in control of the happenings of creation, of the universe, of everything. So, for example, the fact that we are four in this room right now, and you are sitting the way you are, you're just staring at me, and I'm looking at you, and we're talking, is as a result of God's sovereign grace and providence. All right? God, the good creator of all things. So God is good. We should never overlook the fact that God is good. There are some people who pray, Oh God, thank you for all the good things that you do for me. What about the bad? What about the frowning providence? What, what about the things that don't make us rejoice? Because they are from God. Remember? In uh, Isaiah 45 verse 7, it says, I create calamity and good. I, the Lord, does all these things. Do we come before the throne of grace to say, oh God of mercy, thank you very much for this trial. Thank you so much for this tribulation. If you are truly a, ch a child of God, you know that all things work together for good. You know that trials and tribulations are designed to refine you as fine gold, to sanctify you, to grow you in grace. God, the good creator, God does not lose his goodness because all of a sudden, I've lost someone to death. I've lost a spouse to death. Then I say, well, God has ceased to be good. Then, my friends, we have not understood God. We have not grasped what the scriptures teach on this God of ours. His goodness is not tradable. It's unchangeable. It's immovable. You cannot substitute it for anything. He is good. That's his attribute. God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power, so in his power that we cannot fathom, that is so vast that it blows our minds to shreds and to pieces. And wisdom, all right, is, is wise. He is the very definition of wisdom. Upholds, all right? So God upholds, he keeps, right? Directs, he directs the, 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 the annals of time. When, we're, when we look at our watches and we look at what's happening in the world, we're growing gray hairs, a bit, gaining a bit more weight, things are not going as, as well as we think, they, as, as well as we want them to, to go. God is directing time. He causes the sun to rise and the sun to set. He causes the winter to come, the rain, the summer. That is God. Even when there's drought, even when people say, oh, we're going to the mountains now. We want to go and pray for the rain. You know, there are these people who do all sorts of mystical things. And they tell you, uh, you know, when we pray, the rain comes. 
It might be so that God has heard your prayers, but the thing is, God is directing that. He's orchestrating. He's the great orchestra. He's the one who is upholding everything in this universe. And it's such a mind-blowing thought to, 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 to realize that the fact that I woke up this morning is by God's grace and God's directing. And this should cause us to, to worship, to be thankful, to, to ponder, to introspect. Is my mind and my life and my, and my heart tuned towards God or I am ignorant of all of these things so I just wake up and do as I please. That's how the non-believers think. But even so, God is directing those things. So God upholds, directs, disposes, and governs. God gives life and takes away life. I always like to think of ourselves as people with an invisible mark or writing on our foreheads that has born on this day and died on this day. Each and every one of us is a day that we're going to perish. We don't know how that's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. But only God knows how comforting is that. But at the same time, how offending is it to a godless world? How offending it is, is it to those who subscribe to the prosperity gospel? Who think that, oh, my life is in my hands. You know, the moment something threatens my life, you start binding things and, and claiming things and saying all those things. That, those things are useless. Because your binding and your claiming cannot change the day you will die. Your binding and claiming cannot change the day you will be born. It will not change God's infallible will. He has directed things as they are and they are happening as he has willed. If we read the scriptures in context, if we read the scriptures with understanding, with the Holy Spirit applying the truth of God's word to our hearts, we will realize that this is true of the Bible. Everything happens. That's why people say everything happens for a reason. You know that song? It's a song that usually is played. Um, I think it was when we were growing up. But do people grasp that actually it's God's reason, right? So it directs, disposes, and governs. God is in control. We say this uh, loosely, but it's true. 
God is in control of all situations. He is not passive. He is not uh, disengaged from creation. He is not disengaged from everything that's happening. So picture this. There's seven billion people on this planet. God knows each and every one of them. He knows uh, all that have died, all that will, die, will be born, and all that will die. He knows the number of hairs on their heads. That's what the Bible says. And still, he hears you when you pray. This takes us back to Psalm 8. When you think of that, what is man that you're mindful of him? When you look at the galaxies, when you look at the, the, the earth suspended in the universe, you think so, what is man? That's the same God, friends, that we worship. That same God who provides for the birds of the air. Crumbs of bread. When the birds of the air come into your yard and peek on the small crumbs, that is God's provision. You, will say, you may say, well, ah, it's me who threw the sadza. And everything's good, I'm feeding the birds. But God is using that. I want us to think really deeply about these things. He directs, sorry, he directs, disposes, and governs all creatures. So we cover that. Every elephant, lion, whatever, molecules, whatever it is. They are governed by God. He knows when they will live and when they die. From the greatest to the very least. By his most wise and holy providence to the end for which they were created. There is a purpose that you were created. And God knows the purpose. If you're a Christian, you're created for him. For his own pleasure. You are to respond in worship. You are to live your life with utmost gratitude and thanksgiving and also servitude in that the God of the universe, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit created you for himself. And when you think about it, it's unfathomable. But when we read the word of God, we are directed to, to worship. He does this in accordance with his infallible foreknowledge. So, in other words, his God in eternity past planned what will happen. So, his foreknowledge is that he knows what is going to happen when it is going to happen. That is God's foreknowledge. So, his foreknowledge and his providence are inseparable. God knows what will happen, but God has planned what will happen. 
and it is executed with utmost excellence because it's from God and it is executed with utmost correct timing with God there's no such thing as oh God made a mistake God sleeps and slumbers you know we can sort of bend God's will and you know this God you know that you, you meet these people who are so arrogant and, 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 and they've put themselves on a pedestal high above almighty God and they say we are who we are and they blaspheme God and God does not strike them there and there and yet He doesn't sleep, no slumber, doesn't make mistakes. He's not like us. We we make mistakes. We make silly, silly, silly comments. We do silly things. We, we are irrational. We are rash with our mouths. Our hearts wander. Our minds concoct or manufacture idols the idol of self and yet god is none of these and nothing outside of himself compels him to do what he does listen to some scriptures friends proverbs 16 verse 9 the heart of man plans his ways but the Lord establishes steps. How many times have you woken up and you said, I'm going to do this? Or how many times have you gone to sleep and said, I am going to go, tomorrow I'm going to go to such and such a place and do all these things. And then the Lord, in his providence, which is being unraveled now but planned in eternity past says no you're not going to do that <laughs> you're going to spend if you if you thought oh today i'm just gonna spend my day resting be careful you might spend a day at the graveyards burying someone that's how God works. You might spend the day at the morgue identifying the body of a friend. And I'm not saying all these things to scare you, but that's reality. This is real truth that is not exposed in many churches because everyone is all about blessings, prosperity, claim your blessings, do this and do that. Isaiah 14 verse 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so it, sorry, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Isaiah 46 verse 10 to 11, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, 
things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. The arrogance of human beings is that we think we know what will happen tomorrow, so we are so fixated on our little journeys and little programs and little plans, and yet we forget that God upholds all things. Or we deny, take for instance the COVID-19. Who knew that in a space of less than a month, a virus would wipe out so many people bring the world to such a standstill for two years or three years change the way we be we live life expose mankind's fallibility confusion sin expose our fragility expose the fact that actually we are not as thoughtful or as educated as we think we are because we are not as educated to stop a flu bug. However, God used that. As Paul says in, in Corinthians, in his first letter to the Corinthians, God used when you're talking about Christ, use what was foolish to man to shame the wise. He took a man who was not worthy to be even looked at, sent him to die on a cross. And you ask yourself, God, is there no other way you could have redeemed mankind? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why did you choose to redeem mankind through a cross? And through Christ? Welcome, ladies. We are looking at divine providence. Let me just quickly peruse through point two and point three, which I'll stop, and then I'll just quote a few things and give an application. So listen to what the confession says in chapter five, point two. It says, although in relation, don't be confused by the English here, I'll just explain. Although in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, which is what he has planned in eternity past, who is the first cause, so God is the first cause, all things come to pass immutably, in other words, unchangeably, and infallibly. When God says something, it happens. When God does something, it happens, and there's no query for going back. So that there is nothing that happens to anyone by chance or without his providence. Nevertheless, by the same providence, 
God orders all things to come to pass according to the nature, right, of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. So what is being said, friends? What is being said is that God can use secondary causes. For example, let us just imagine that you are coming to church and God has willed that today is the day you will die. And you are being driven or driving. Then there's a drunk man driving towards you or behind you or coming from either side. That drunk man is in a, is, is in a state of sin but God can use his drunkenness to kill you. <laughs> To take you home. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> God can use that man's drunkenness to kill you and take you home to himself. And guess what? Human beings will be saying, oh, he died before his, his time. Uh, some people will be saying the spirit of death is upon us uh, bind the devil they've not understood the providence of God they've got a so little view of God secondary causes those secondary causes do not change God's providence God can wipe out a whole village in order to save one person from sin. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, you know, some of the things that happen on this earth are so perplexing that you cannot imagine how is this any good? But when we go to the scriptures, the Bible shows us that all things work together for, those, for good for those who love the Lord and according to, according, to, according to His purposes. I'll go to Proverbs, I'll go to, uh, I was going to quote Proverbs 16.33, but I've realized that I've already quoted it. We'll go to chapter 5.3, welcome, welcome, point 3, which says, God in his ordinary providence makes use of means, right? But he is free to work without, above, and against them, as he pleases. So God is free all right as i said god is is is, is majestic he's holy he's much more grander than we make him out to be we cannot even comprehend him but 
he is free to work without secondary costs. God can destroy the universe like this. God, if God wanted, he could save the whole planet from sin. He could just say, well, there's no need for Jesus, salvation, all of you are saved. That's who God is. He can work without, above, and against them as he pleases. So God does what he pleases. He's in the heavens and he does what he pleases. Romans 8.28 And we know that though for and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And friends, everything that occurs in our lives is for our good. It may be terrible now, but it will be fine in the end. And in the end is when Christ returns. <laughs> So how should we respond to God's providence? I want to quote two things and then apply quickly because our time is gone. There's, there's a quotation I found very interesting from this book called The Frowning Providence from John Murray. It says, when adversity comes into our lives, we tend to react in one or two ways. We may say that it is from a source other than God and he has no power to stop it. Or we may say it is an evidence of God's anger against us. Either way, we are guilty of casting aspersions on the character of our Father and consequently of perverting our attitude to him. So when God deals with us, I don't want to say when, when life deals with you, a lemon, make lemonade. That's for the world. I'm saying when God deals with you a hard hand in providence, there are either two ways you respond which this man has laid out. He's saying avoid either extreme but trust God we either think God cannot stop it oh no you know I'm in a situation that God cannot stop so I'm just gonna lie down and just leave it I'm not, I'm not gonna pray I'm not gonna seek the Lord I'm not gonna beseech the Holy One of Israel or we say God is angry he did not give me a spouse and so I'm angry at God. So you, you meet these people who walk around, I'm angry at God. And I say, oh, okay. Well, why are you angry at God? What happened? No, things are not moving, in my, moving well in my life. That's why I don't believe in God. That's why you Christians are hypocrites, you know. Starts painting everything with one brush. We must be careful in our response. To providence. Listen to the second quotation. He says, people are looking for a problem-free Christianity. The health, wealth, and success gospel is having a field day. Purveyors of such a gospel 
look the part, all right? They walk around strutting, everything is well. But listen to this. Unfortunately, the hollowness of such views becomes apparent when suffering, sorrow, or disappointment comes. Then it becomes clear that we need a faith that is grounded in God's word. I was so, I was rejoicing during the COVID-19 because all the prosperity gospel, mongers, the prophets of our day were, were hidden. They, they, they hid, they went and hid. We said, oh, we've got a crisis in this world. There's a virus, where are you? Please, uh, you have been casting out devils. Come and stop the virus. No one came. And guess what? When the virus ended or subsided, what happened? They came out of their corners and was back to default settings. <laughs> huh? Hollow religion. Hollow belief. Hall of faith, it's, it's useless. We need a faith that is grounded in the word of God so that we, need, we, 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 we may respond accordingly to God's providence. However, it comes in what shape and form. So, quick application is we need to respond by trusting in God. If you're a child of God, trust in God. Whatever happens to you is by his own will and providence and there is a purpose. There is a purpose. Pray. Respond by praying and worshipping God. When God deals you a hard blow in providence or even because providence is not really a bad it's not only bad, there's also good that God gives us. Pray, praise, pray. If God gives you a job, opportunity, or even a uh, promotion, don't forget God. Pray, trust in Him. Thirdly, fellowship with other Christians. It's very important to fellowship with other Christians when... Uh, in response to God's providence. There are some people, let, let me say this friends, there are some people who only come to church when they have problems. There are some people who only look for other Christians when they have problems. When we say, come for fellowship, Come and be with the people of God. Come and worship a holy God. I don't know, I'm too busy. The moment you've got problems, the phone rings. You have been absent for six months, a year. We don't know you. We don't know where you are. Now you want help. How? How? How will we help you? Let's say maybe your issue is serious, but you've not been fellowship with other Christians. And the last one is being aware that God is working. And I'll give an example. God can use or cause tragedy to bring you to himself. God can break your leg in order for you to 
believe. This is just a joke, uh, or even some humor. I've got a friend, actually. Uh, he's very serious about these things. So, whenever we would sit and talk about his family, he would say, oh, I've got a brother. That man has got a, a heart of stone. And he's like, I just pray, brother, that God would break his leg so that he may believe. So for me at that time, I thought, oh, this is very extreme, you know. This is extreme. But as I, as I, <laughs> as I grow in the Christian faith, I see that sometimes it's necessary for God to do what we would call the extreme in order for him to bring us to himself. To say, I want you to worship me and me alone. I might have to remove your eye. I might have to. Friends, this is our chapter, or sorry, our teaching on divine providence for today.